Hey, what's up, world? It's your host, Bobby Penn, and I cannot wait to present to you season three of Put Yourself On Podcast. Things are very heavy in the world right now, and I hope that these episodes bring you some encouragement, welcome distraction, and inspiration for you to fight the good fight and keep pushing towards your dreams. Right now, it is more important than ever for all of us to live in our purpose and to express ourselves. So I have found for you several professionals who have done just that. They've been able to turn their passion into profession. Zena Coda has done just about everything in the music world. She toured and played in a band. She interned at a record label working heavy metal albums. She was the host of a national radio show and she still hosts her own podcast right here on Anchor. But she's really found her home in digital marketing. Zena began her storied music career in 2006 as PR manager at Airache Records, eventually moving on to media relations at Roadrunner Records during a time where digital promo just began to take over. From label life, she joined the agency and media world as a digital publicist at Cornerstone Agency, The Fader, the first of its kind to begin lifestyle digital marketing content for brands like Converse, Fox, Pepsi, Bush Mills, and Vitamin Water. In 2008, she began a national broadcast career at SiriusXM as a daily radio host on Liquid Metal and hosted video content for Fuse, Music Choice, The Fader, Vivo, and Loudwire. She went on to add freelance writing into the mix as she penned articles for Uproxx, Vice, Noisy, and Prohibited. In 2015, she moved to Los Angeles to oversee digital direction for the revamp of Motown Records and aid in the relaunch of Quality Control. That's the label that's responsible for the Migo Shaw. By the time I came to meet her, she was senior director of digital marketing at Atlantic Records in a role that had her sculpting the communication vehicle for some of the label's biggest artists. I'm talking about Nipsey Hussle, Meek Mill, Rico Nasty, and the list goes on. Listen in as she takes you through each step of her music business path and learn how she knows when it's time to pivot. Meet Zenakota. Put yourself, put yourself on. What does that mean? The Hustlers How-To Guide to Self-Made Success. Hey, turn this up, fam. Turn up right now. Free smoke, free smoke, hey. Free smoke, free smoke. Thank you. All my money is rich. What's up, world? Your girl Bobby Penn is hanging out here with another episode of the Put Yourself On Podcast. This time I have with me a very special guest. She's a boss in music, media, and marketing. I'm talking about none other than Zena Coda. How are you? Hi, how's it going? (laughs) I'm excellent, Queen. You were just telling me you took on a new role and you are the brand manager of the North Face. And we're in the middle of a crisis within a crisis. So just briefly, whatever you can share, what is your experience like right now? (laughs) Oh my God. I mean... (laughs) where to begin, right? Like, so I spent a majority of my career in media and the music industry, um, have always wanted to work for a brand. And it took me a very long time to kind of find the exact brand that I wanted to work for. Um, And when this opportunity came up, there was a lot I didn't know about the North Face, right? I grew up in New York and New Jersey my whole life. every, Every winter, you would go by your North Face, your new Tims. It was like a tradition, right? 
so coming into, you know, a brand where I had a different perception of what the brand thinks it is too, right? Like it's, it's very much a mountain sports brand. They're rooted in the performance past. Um, so it's been interesting, kind of like a completely different environment and situation, but I like all challenges and, um, you know, they do a lot of nonprofit and activism work, which was really important to me, um, at this stage of my career. So I was, I was ready for it, but, um, never thought I would move to Denver. So I'm, I'm here from the streets of Denver. Um, <laughs> but you know, I found in my career that, uh, it does kind of require you to move around a little bit, yeah. depending on what you want to do. Having that flexibility allows you to just meet so many different networks of people, you know, get a broader sense of like what the business world is at large, right? Across the board. And, um, yeah, it's been crazy the last three months. I'm not even three months in, um, <laughs> the job have been insane, both. I've never had in my career um, a situation where you have two crisis communications <laughs> within such a short period. <laughs> it's nuts, man. It's definitely, it's been crazy, but you know, it's really fulfilling. I feel like um, we're making some big strides. The outdoor community has, you know, traditionally just not been a place where inclusivity has really been leaned on. And, you know, as one of, one of the only women of any kind of color within this environment, you know, I take that mission very seriously and I'm, uh, and I'm on the executive committee with, um, you know, our diversity and inclusion group. And we've done a lot of cool stuff for the Asian American Heritage Month, which is really important to me, um, but working with them very closely right now to make sure that we're representing what matters for the black community. Absolutely. I appreciate that. All right. I had to jump in there because we were talking about it off camera and I just wanted to set the tone for how busy she is and how big it is that she's taking a moment to share some gems with us. So make sure you grab your notes and listen up, all right? So Zena, I've been digging around and I've been learning about you, but I don't exactly know where your story starts. I know you are a musician. I know you were doing music hosting for some major platforms. And then when I came to know who you are, you were working with a major record label. So where did things begin for you and like what's your connection to music and then we'll get into business <laughs> it's it's a beautiful life right <laughs> um i started off as a musician and said fuck this i am never going to work a day job in my life um i'm gonna be in a band i'm gonna tour i grew up in um in new jersey right outside of newark new jersey um, a lot of my background was singing R&B and theater and doing a lot of those things. But as I got older, really was intrigued by like live music and being in a band. So I started, you know, kind of just like auditioning for different bands, jamming with different people and really just fell in love with the expression of being in a band and the vibe of making music live and, you know, just putting your heart out to the world and seeing what happens um, and did that for a very long time, probably like like 15 years, I was fronting of several different bands. Yeah. Um, and during that time, I, you know, after my first tour experience and I took off of college for a bit to, you know, kind of tour and do a bunch of stuff. And I realized, hmm, might be, might be a good idea to pick up some kind of backup career, just considering, <laughs> you know, making 20 bucks per night wasn't exactly working out for me at that time. Um, and sitting in a, a van with a bunch of smelly dudes, um, that didn't, that didn't really work out for me long-term, but you know, I was so in love with the music industry and had invested so much of my heart and time. I'm like, Hey, maybe I should look into the industry. Right. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was crazy. Like there, what nobody tells you is there's no blueprint. Right. And, and no matter what stage you're at, you always feel like the underdog. At least I'm one of those people who's always like, am I there yet? Right. <laughs> <I'm writing. laughs> Still. 
And you never, what's crazy now looking back at some of the really the touch points and highlights of my career, you never realize how amazing the work you're doing is until you've, until it's gone. And so it's already fleeting, right? Yeah. Um, People can tell you what their experience was with your work. Yeah, absolutely, right? So you know, getting into the music part of my career, um, landed again at a record label when I was still in college, actually. Um, then ended up going to another one very quickly, a more major label um, that was more of like a rock label. But it was always interesting for me because I hate being labeled as something, <laughs> and one of the unfortunate parts about that time in music was it's very much you you work in rock you work in hip-hop and then you work in classical like there's no intersection between those worlds from, from when you're looking at a label point of view and still a little bit of a crippling fact in in the way that labels are laid out but at that time it was extreme so it just really it, it honestly wasn't working for me much because it was just really it was a different time in music I mean I was doing PR at the time so I was literally calling up um, tour spots and being like, hey, this artist is coming by, coming by. Do you want to cover them this week? Come out to the show. And like, wow. people forget how manual that process used to be, right? I would mail out a CD and then wait two weeks and then go down my list and email all those people form email. Um, it was grimy. It I was can't grimy. even imagine because now you can log into a database and send a hundred email blasts in one click. So, <laughs> wow. I mean, you can just YouTube link and that's it half the time right. <laughs> Atlantic, yeah. it, it was extreme so yeah just did that and then I ended up getting a gig at the time at Cornerstone which is owned by the fader um like a few months later after I got I got laid off in the recession of 2007 um and it, it was in itself. <laughs> exactly but I was devastating you know I was young maybe like 22 and I was like well my career's over better better lean back into my music and hope that I pops off but what it showed me was your amount of resilience and flexibility with understanding that what you dreamed is not always your dream. Mm. You know, like it's not your dream profession in the end. So I ended up going to Cornerstone and Fader and doing digital PR at the time, which actually just became digital marketing at the end of the day. Um, and worked with an incredible amount of just awesome people there. Like I would say Cornerstone in 2000, in eight to 2013, when I was like really loving my time there, like was an amazing company to be part of because you could work a lot of variety of projects across rock, hip hop, American Idol artists, like country musicals. We were working anything involved in the music industry. Yeah. Um, and also like worked with a lot of brands on brand integration campaigns because they were one of the first agencies to really start building a legitimate presence for music within any of those arenas. So that was super dope for me because I started to get, I had always wanted to work in hip hop. I had been coined off the bat working in rock and I'm like, that's, it's not fully, neither, I'm, I'm a convergence of both, right? So I wanted to be able to make my imprint on both sides. And I got the opportunity through my work at Cornerstone to really get entrenched in the hip hop world. And, um, you know, was even able to do a bunch of interviews for Fader, interview Mac Miller, uh, Big Boy. Yeah, we were able to kind of, you know, I, that's what's dope about working for a smaller company, right? You, It's kind of fluid. Can you interview? Sure, you figure it out. <laughs> you're you're both. <laughs> mm -hmm. But you know, that's great at the beginning of your career because you're able to kind of really explore those things, see where you can get in, you know, understand the hardships of how you kind of fit into some of those equations. You understand ulterior motives. There's so much you learn um, within that time period. 
and lucky enough, they allowed me a cornerstone to also work at Sirius at the same time. So I got, it, it's just funny how timing works. I was, out of, I was out of work for six months working at a burlesque bar, serving drinks in Newark. So that's what I did in between jobs. And then I ended up getting this job at Cornerstone and also got a job at Sirius XM as one of the only women hosts on the rock, on the rock and metal channel. And then eventually became the only female host on there and of the only female host of color that they had um on the rock station you know totally looking back again at the time i'm just like uh how do I, how am i gonna do all this right but now that i look back it was such a moment and i'm so happy for like anybody that i've inspired you know of color who loved rock music and who wanted to speak out and be part of the conversation who didn't feel like maybe they could have prior to like seeing somebody who was like them or me you know, grew up in the hood, but still listens to a little bit of metal. <laughs> like, you know, still have that that going. Um, yeah, so just really built the building blocks of my career there and hustled freelance video hosting, which, as you know, is no small feat. <laughs> it's a grind. Work, it's a grind, but the passion is one thing that I hear in your story, the determination and the desire to figure it out. Like, nothing was off limits for you. It was going to happen. It was just a matter of when and how. So I love that. I love your resilience. I definitely, yeah. I know I felt something. I'm like, I see what I am aiming to be or this idea that we can have it all. Sometimes people don't think you can. And I'm like, hold on, this is the, she figured it out. Like <laughs> she's touched on all the points of like a dream career for someone who has a passion of music. So. Yeah, totally. And, and I think one of the things to remember and I still struggle with this, honestly. I'm 36 years old at this point. And I still struggle with this because I, there's always a performative and outspoken side to myself, which now is very much flipped from like me looking at the hottest like songs or like hip hop tracks or artists that are coming out. And now looking at, you know, very specific issues that are very important to the minority community, right? So like my whole ethos completely flipped as I got older because I started to really care about the world and what was happening around me. But there's a part of me that always wants to do that, like be on camera, be speaking, you know? But I think what I've found in just my career and, and validating what I do is that there is a lot of power to being a business person that has that voice too. And I don't think that a lot of people realize that that's massively important because what right do I have to speak on anything if I can't do it myself? And maybe that's like, always just been part of my DNA and who I am. But I think that like, in order to talk about it, you need to walk the walk. Yeah. And I think that that's, um, you know, you're, you're right. Like people think sometimes you have to be this one thing or you have to be another thing. But if anything, the last 20 years has showed us like with the evolution of technology, like, holy shit, look at what we're doing today. Like yeah. you know, 10 years ago, we can never do this. I was like getting my little, um, my flip cam out and interviewing people on the street, right? Like HD baby, <laughs> HD. But you know, it's all, if you want to do something and you're determined to do something, no one is ever opening a door for you. You got to open it up for yourself. And there's so many more tools these days to I'll do just, it. Yeah, one more time. <laughs> one more time. Opening the door. No one will open the door for you. You have to, very rarely would you get an opportunity where somebody walks in and is like, I just thought of you for this amazing thing. <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes it does happen. And a few times it's happened for me, I've been like, wow, there is a God. <laughs> it's incredible. But 
I think you need to walk in faith for yourself and create those opportunities. And you get really comfortable with hearing no. <laughs> you get really comfortable with hearing you're not good enough. You're not skinny enough. You don't, you're not, you don't look a certain way. Like, especially in the hosting side of things, like now is completely different than maybe like 10 years ago when I was really in the mix of it. And then forget it. Too thick, too loud, too reactive. <laughs> like not white enough. Like there was a lot of really interesting feedback that I've gotten over my time. And like a lot of people who honestly, you know, for major networks that like kind of kicked me down a little bit. And I, and it's, it's really heartwarming to see how many people are confident in whatever state they're in or whatever they, whatever presence that they bring, they come and they bring it. And I love that. It's a love and hate I have with YouTube, but it's really important because everyone should feel confident to put themselves forward because everybody, everybody is living in the real world, right? This is how we look. This is who we are. And I think the facade of Hollywood and all of those things that have like plagued us in the entertainment industry have like washed away, thankfully. I love that. Actually, talk to me about your experience um, as an Asian American woman. I can imagine there might be people who are taken aback maybe to learn your ethnicity because looking at you, it's not so obvious mm -hmm. what you represent. Um, and I know recently you launched a, a collective or a, an organization for dope ass Asians. <laughs> so talk to me about how important that has been for you to be a champion um, of your culture and just sort of represent, put, put yourself born in that way. Oh my God. It's, uh, this sounds so corny and cliche, but it's honestly been like a dream come true especially during this time where we want to be the most actionable allies to the black and brown community. And to me, to have a group of other Asian women who are at the top of like their respective careers, you know, we've been working also with a former coworker of mine at Atlantic who's, who has a lot of great ideas, who's like very high up, you know, my, one of my other counterparts like runs music entertainment at YouTube, Caroline Yim's a G. She's just been doing this for every every hip hop artist you could think of. She's just helped bring them over the line. So like to work with these women, is just so humbling. And like, I had been trying to do this on my own for quite some time. And I, I always like a nutcase try to take on these like huge missions that I just have like a spark of, of love for. Um, and it wasn't until, you know, talking through with Grace Lee, who's at YouTube about this idea that I realized that they had been kind of simultaneously working on the exact same thing. So, you know, just going through this journey and as I get into like oh, my, my mid to late thirties, which is creepy. Um, I'm literally right behind you. So don't make it sound that scary. Listen, I'm happy I'm Asian. It's staying tight. It's staying there. It's staying there. But you know, it was, it was important to me to give back and to meet other like-minded women who are in the profession, who knew that we weren't gonna be making money off of this, who knew that this was actually gonna be a time suck and a lot of money of our own personal like contribution, um, and still really wanted to do it to better both our community and other minority communities at large, to me was just like, it's priceless. Like it's what I spend our spare time doing, right? Like it's, it, we have a text thread where we're going back and forth with our ideas. We're trying to formulate some really strong ideas for the election moving forward because I'm really passionate about voting. I was working on the side on a, a political action committee that kind of folded over the last few months with everything that's happened, but it was really rooted in trying to utilize 
um, you know, artists, particularly artists, minority artists who are very impactful to the youth to deliver messages about very important issues that are important to Gen Z and millennial voters, you know, like all of the things that we're going through right now really are affected by those issues. So like working back and forth with this community has been so fulfilling and, you know, we've only really been active since February, which is wild to me. Um, but I think that there's so much work that we're going to get into this year. And as I mentioned, like really helping to uplift other communities too, is a really core piece of what, what our mission is. So it's, it's been worth it. It's been fun for sure. Fun and very fulfilling, like to see, to see how many people have showed up in real life to our events too, yeah. was just nuts to me. Cause it's always been a dream to create an, a, a collective of other Asians and have a place for other Asians that aren't, aren't doing your typical Asian careers, right? Um, to kind of come and confer. And I always knew a few here and there. So to see us all in one place, it was really cool and inspiring. And honestly, it was very inspired by um, by a woman I used to work with, Brianna uh, Ajamon. I can never say her last name correctly, but she's amazing. She worked at Atlantic Rock Nation. We worked on Nipsey Hustle and Meek Mill together. And her and another girlfriend created a group called The Brownies. I'm not sure if you were... Um, familiar with them but they're also just a collective of black women who are of like doing amazing things and like trying to help the community and i was really inspired by how they mobilized and the work that they they did so it did help to really like push me in the right direction to create this group to also like do the same thing for our side of the community i love the allyship i appreciate that in, in your message and in your work um and i also think that it was important to point out what you said um you're a trailblazer, so your ideas aren't crazy. You just, you have a spark within you that you're supposed to lead people, and I love that you follow it. And I love that the confirmations you get is that people show up, people show up, <laughs> people show up to like celebrate and, and be a part of it with you. So congratulations on that, that is so awesome. Thank you, they needed it. And then it's less about us as the collective and like the heads of the collective. It's more, we're always thinking about like, how can we make this better and evangelize what we need to within these powerful people so that we can make it a better community for us as a whole. Yeah, well, it's only been, like you said, since February. So <laughs> very much looking forward to seeing where you guys go next. Um, girl, I can sit here and talk to you all day. I don't want to take all of your time. Um, give me your one piece of advice. I think you've already given me several. For you <laughs> hustlers, somebody who's trying to get out there and get it and they are in their own way. I remember the first time someone told me that, that you're in your own way. I didn't get what it meant until literally mm -hmm. like yesterday, I think. I was taking a shower and I'm like, wait, I'm understanding some of the things that I've been working through over the last maybe few months or maybe even a year. Um, I don't know, that statement made sense for me. So maybe you can break down what that means and like how to overcome that. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of merit to that to the, that uh, phrase, right? Like, I think sometimes there's a perception that we'll be happy when X or we'll, we'll feel fulfilled when X. And the older I get in the more kinds of capacities that I work in, you know, I've always been scared. Every, t every job that I go to, I'm like, am I gonna fuck this up? And do I know what I'm doing? And, and one thing working at a label, which is painful, but probably priceless world knowledge is that, you by the time you feel you've done okay with something it's gone and fleeting and you're on to the next right because it's like album to album to album and as like digital has become more everything in the marketing plan you you 
fall into this very intense time and then it falls away. <laughs> and then two months later, you're in the same intense time, then it falls away. So like you become used to a different kind of cadence and you start to appreciate kind of these like these smaller moments and how you can make the best out of them. Right. And I think in life and in your career, it's kind of a great analogy, right? Like enjoy these small moments, enjoy the moments where you can make small triumphs and like, don't beat yourself up. Like it's a constant, constant battle for me because I'm Asian try hard and want to do everything that I can across the board. And, you know, the, like I mentioned, like the last 48 hours, I've just been very plagued with everything going on right now and trying to do the best that I can. And like, you know, all you can do in your career is put your best effort forward and not take no for an answer. You may not be able to get the next answer tomorrow, but it's, it's a matter of understanding your cadence to, to your flow and being able to chip away at a problem because everything in life, no matter whether it's business or no matter whether it's political or, you know, affiliated with a larger movement is, is really going to play out in a systemic way. And if you change the system and you change the purview of the system, you'll be able to get a better long-term outcome. And that applies to your career and your motivations, right? Change the system. Don't do the definition of madness, repeating the same thing over and over, and you'll find your way. I love that. <laughs> I do want to ask you one more thing. Were your parents supportive of you going into music? I could imagine the answer is no, but I could be wrong. <laughs> so I have a very, I have a super unique background. My father actually was in the music industry when he was younger. Um, he passed away a few years ago and I really found a lot of information out like as he was like sick because you know that's always the time when your parents kind of tell you well here's everything here's what happened um, so my dad was like a touring agent for a lot of artists like at a very turnkey time actually uh, he worked with a lot of black artists it's funny like I ended up kind of like taking you know a, a, a walk in my dad's shoes eventually but was some like I'm talking about like legendary artists and like the Grateful Dead and like other artists at that time. So that always inspired me as a kid. My mom sang as a passion um, and always did like, you know, plays as, when I was a kid with me. So like they were always very supportive. And my mom also like worked for the United Nations. So she was very involved in political, you know, motivations. So I feel like they were always kind of weirdo parents and they allowed me to do whatever I wanted. <laughs> but for like, but make sure you do well in school and then you can go ahead and do whatever you want, you know? <laughs> so they were supportive. And I, I feel very fortunate for that because it gave me confidence to keep trying. Yeah. And they allowed me to take off of school when I wanted to like go on the road, um, you know, but I worked my ass off because I had no money. <laughs> so I ended up having to pay through everything for myself. And, you know, I think that they saw my work ethic was where it needed to be. So it didn't really give me any pushback when I wanted to do what I wanted to do. I was paying for it anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank you so much for taking a moment from your day to come share with us your journey and give us some advice so that we can grow and continue to build our businesses and our brands and our careers. Is there anything else you want to leave us with? Any projects you have coming up? Um, really just follow Asian American Collective. We're going to keep doing uh, more work over the next few you know, months. We're starting to really build a following. Um, really trying to push on votership, making sure you're registered to vote. If I could say one thing that's been my life's mission for the last four years with all the political action I've been doing, make sure to vote, make sure you're registered to vote. Take the time to research your candidates, your local candidates. Um, I would say more than ever, like recognize that, you know, forfeiting that your vote doesn't count and any of these aspects are not gonna be, you know, 
applicable to you because you're just one person in the mix. It's just not the way to go right now. Um, and we really need that allyship from everybody involved in order to make sure that we can move forward in the next four years in a much better direction than we're in right now. Um, follow Ladyish Pod. I also have my own podcast that I, okay. I'll, you know, <laughs> that I'll be releasing. My labor of love. Um, yeah, just kind of releasing some episodes for the next few weeks. Um, really just interviews with other awesome women as well. So, yeah. Where Check can we listen to that? Um, it's on all of the streaming platforms. So it's just under Ladyish Podcast. Um, and you can also check us out at, at Ladyish Pod on Instagram. All right. Well, until next time, guys, make sure you stay hustling. I'm Bobby Pin, and you can find me at Bobby Pin on the brand. Tune in next week for another dope episode of the Put Yourself on Podcast. Thank you.